As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Straight from the Source is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know wild ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real-time from thousands of trusted sellers and shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. I have a buddy who bought first-row Upper Bowl tickets to Wednesday's game against the Coyotes, and he loved the area of the app where he could see panoramic views of where he was going to sit during the game. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download GameTime and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Welcome back to uh, Straight from the Source. Thanks for tuning in to the latest edition of Straight from the Source. Very happy to be uh, joined by Mike Madano. No U.S.-born player in the history of the NHL has scored more goals than Madano's 561 goals, more game-winning goals than your 92, more points than your 1,374. No U.S.-born forward has more than your 833, 13 assists. Um, Almost every single record in North Stars Stars history, except for you gave Dino Cistrelli hat tricks. He had a Dino little more had hat tricks, and Bobby Smith had yeah. most points in one season. Yeah, I, the one I, I loved also is shorthanded goals because I remember still to this day a three on five shorty that you scored in Sunrise against the Panthers when I was covering them, and I I just remember destroying the team for it. I'm like I am like I even remember writing like I get it's Mike Madonna, but how do you give up a breakaway on a on a I'm five sure on you, three? I'm sure you gave so. it to him. <laughs> um, and then uh, obviously State of Michigan, it goes you Dougie Waite, who I'm still convinced at some point is going to work for the Wild, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, one of my favorite people, Brian Ralston, three-time yeah. Olympian, won the silver in Salt Lake City, two two World Cups, a Stanley Cup champion, uh, drafted first overall in 1988. That was an unbelievable draft, actually. Mm-hmm. I mean, Trevor Linden, two. It went, uh, I think, Curtis Lecision, Curtis three. Lecision. Uh, there's a guy named Timo Solani in there, Timo I think. Timo Solani, um, uh, Darren Shannon, yep. Brent, Rod Brindamore. Yep. Mid-rounds were guys like Mark Reckie. Um, who was it? Was it was uh, I think Robbie, went, Robbie Blake? Ronick was in again. there. Yeah. Yep. 
Tony Amani, Charlie Coyle's cousin. Yeah. <laughs> So, <laughs> it was so, a good. It was a good crop of guys yeah. that played a long time too. Well, so. that that tell tell me about what it was like. I, Lou Nanny has told the story a thousand times, Mike, about him bringing you to Detroit and you meeting the Guns, and it was either him or Lyndon, and there was some story that like they were wanted, they were going to take Lyndon, but then or that maybe Guns' wife loved Lyndon, and you said, "Well, I'm taking Mike Madonna." I mean, I'm sure you didn't know that part of it. Um, yeah, I guess I guess George. Uh, Gordon or George's wife was a big fan of Trevor's. Yeah. I think we're both on the flight, actually, from uh, – we all flew back from Minnesota, I think, on on uh, Gordon's plane from the World Juniors. And I was in front with Lou, and Trevor was in back with Gunn's wife. And so I think at the end of the flight, uh, Gordon's wife said to Lou and Gordon, I, I really love Trevor. I think he's great, you know. And uh, he go, she's like, I think we should take it. And so Linda, uh, uh, Lou put the kibosh on that real quick. He's <laughs> like, tell, uh, tell Mrs. Gunn we're not taking uh, Trevor. Um, you know, so he uh, – but, yeah, I mean, we went to um, Traverse City. The um, North Stars had their um, scouting uh, meetings or combine up there with all their scouts getting ready for the draft. And so Trevor and I were both up there. We kind of didn't overlap, but I kind of came in for a day and a half, and then Trevor came in. And but it was more like a more a Senate hearing, really. I was just at a table, and you know George Gordon, Lou, uh, a couple scouts. Um, you know, so they're all just in front of me, just popping off questions to me. <laughs> Why would should we take you number one? What makes a good leader? You know off the board questions that I'm like, I, I've never been asked these questions before in my life. So I was like, Oh my God, this is just awful. It was painful. I feel like I just, I, I just failed the, the interview terribly. And it was the most uncomfortable like hour I've ever in my life. Yeah. And, uh, and so the next week I went to Vancouver and here we are, you know, I get met at the hotel by Tony Tanti. We go out, downtown Vancouver for the night. I wake up and the next morning we go down to the rink, hang out, kind of do the tour thing. And then we go out on the Griffin's boat at the time who owned the Canucks. And I'm out there with Pat Quinn and uh, Jack McAhargy. And we're all just having a good time on the boat. I'm thinking, man, this Canucks might not be bad. Uh, you know, <laughs> might not be a bad deal either. I was like, man, this is a, it's a whole different, you know, experience. They were just about having fun, being loose and let me enjoy the, you know, the, the uh, the experience where you know the stars were like we can't mess this up we got to get this right right we need to really kind of be serious about this and and I think Vancouver's position was we we can't screw this up right whoever we're, we're gonna get them. we're gonna get the other guy so yeah. it's like you know so um, yeah and then and Lou never told either one of us up until the moment he went to the podium wow. who he was taking so he kind of purposely did that just to kind of leave a surprise and you know so we're we're you know, uh, nervous right up until the last second. What was your reaction? What were your reaction to your folks? Uh, oh, they were they were just elated. I, I think after a while, being being an American, I was like, okay, I want to play in the States. I want to be in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. I want to be where, you know, hockey's, you know, God there. It's like being a Midwest kid, I was like, okay, I want to stay down, you know, Minnesota, be American, stay in the States. So I was I was really kind of hoping it worked out that way. So, yeah. Uh, I did want to ask you before I uh, – 
I, I, it's funny. I just read one of your. Uh, I read nine, which uh, on March eighth, two thousand fourteen, when your jersey went to the rafters at American Airlines Center, the Wild were lucky enough to be the opponents. So I got to watch your unbelievable ceremony. And one of the coolest things was his, I think, one hundred and eighty-four page book that the Dallas Stars put together. That's absolutely, if you can find it online, it's unbelievable. The pictures, the stories in there, and there was a great story at the beginning told by your parents that I want to get to. But I do want to ask, you were, you were inducted into the Hall of Fame uh, five years ago. On Tuesday, Hall of Fame induction, two of your former teammates, Guy Carboneau and Sergei Zuboff, being inducted into the Hall of Fame. One, will you be there? And two, w- what were they both like as teammates? Because one, we all saw Zuboff. You had to be a real hockey fan and really know the games to understand how good Carboneau was. Yeah, be, I mean, real special treat to play with both of them. I think um – you know, but going back to the hall, yeah, I can't make it. So um, I've been chatting with those guys leading up to it. But yeah, it's just a lot of family things going on, and I'm kind of leaving here, then I'm going home, and it's just you know the the travel and everything. So, um, but yeah, going back to those two guys, I think you know I think it goes down as one of the best trades in the history of the Dallas Stars, Minnesota, is Sergey Zuboff for Kevin Hatcher. Yeah, you know I think uh, for some weird crazy reason it didn't work out with Mario Lemieux and Sergei Zuboff and Yarmer Jaeger. I was like, how, how does that not work? So, um, we, Ganey got called about that deal. He, he, he didn't think twice about it. And so I think our, our whole complexion of our team changed when we finally got a great puck moving defenseman that could log a ton of ice, make great plays, quarterback to power play, just control the game. Just really was, um, a special, a special player. Um, Long-time defense partners with Daryl Sador, right, which yeah. is uh, one of my favorite people that I, I mean, covered here in Minnesota. Him and Sid were great. You know, the, the two of them really kind of added a, a whole different element to our team because we were just, you know, knock them down, block shots, just kind of be an ugly defense, you know, cross-check, slash, hack, you know, whatever we could do within the rules, which weren't many of rules back then. So, But, uh, you know, they, they had a – a whole complexion of carrying the puck, joining the play, making, you know, doing all this stuff to allow the forwards to kind of get open and make these great passes. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, he was just a, a freak of nature. Zuby was, he was strong. He was just smart. I mean, smoke like a chimney. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I could never see a guy drink and smoke so much as him that he should have been in the 70s era with Lafleur and those guys. I covered a couple I mean, of Russians down in Florida that smoked also. It, yeah. was, it, was, uh, it always shocked me. I couldn't believe it. And it looked like he could skate for hours, and it didn't affect him at all. But um, but then, you know, Carbo came in. We all thought we were on the, you know, on the high horse as far as leadership, and we thought we were kind of getting into that level like, yeah, this is how it's done. This is how we're going to do it. And he came in and was like, after a while, we are like, we're not even close to <laughs> what that level is you know we're we're still young we're we're pretty naive to it and you know what he showed as far as commitment and you know being a compete level and committed and professional I mean he just uh he rose the bar to a level that you know we're like god can we even get to that thing you know that level Mm and and uh but he was he was a big catalyst in that that turnaround and then eventually uh getting to that Stanley Cup how many guys from your 99 championship are going to be in the hall now Oh boy, you got I mean, Newendike uh, is right. Newendike, Belfour, Belfour, Carbo, I guess now Zuboff, yeah. myself. Um, so it's a. Uh, I think that's about impressive. it. That's about it. And they could have a couple more. I mean, Yuri Lettinen's, you know, 
you can debate that all you want to. Right. I mean, he's got four Selkies and you know Stanley Cups, so I mean, he might be he might be on the verge too. Carbono is one of those guys you really did need to know hockey to understand how valuable he was to a team, especially during his years in in Montreal. He took it to a different level. The idea of being a defensive checking center. Yeah, and <clears throat> I was looking at his stats. I mean, he got 160 points in juniors. Yeah. I mean, he was scoring 60 goals and 100-something points. I mean, he scored almost a point and a half a game in juniors, and now all of a sudden he couldn't crack the lineup in Montreal. They got, they had enough offense there. I mean, they had mm-hmm. everybody in the book there scoring goals, but, I mean, he, he eventually felt he had to have a niche for defensive mm-hmm. hockey and being a good penalty killer and face-off guy to feel like he could make the Canadian lineup. So, I mean, he added that to his repertoire, and, you know, obviously he he, he took to that like a, yeah. a dog to water. So, he I mean, he, he took it to a new level, and, you know, his his play without the puck was, you know, some of the best the game's ever seen. Yeah. You look, I mean, that Neuendijk for Ginla trade, another huge one. You, up the middle, I think your fourth-line center would have been probably Screwy, right? Screwy and Tony Herkus and yeah. trying to think. Uh, it was kind um, of a combination of, of four. I remember. Yeah, there was uh yeah, myself, Neuendijk, um Guy Carboneau, and then uh yeah, you had you had Tony Herkus there and uh I think it was Scrudlin. Yeah. yeah I know he like, played and I know like he played that game and, and they yeah. and those guys. Yeah. Um yeah, but at some point Carboneau said to Hitch, he's like yeah, I think it was after game game one or game two mm-hmm. that uh he's like, Give me let me take care of Forsberg, you know, and we're like, oh, you know, we didn't really have anybody because our line was with Sackick, you know, so there really wasn't, any, you know, Carp was like, give me Forsberg. And, you know, Neuendike was the lucky one because he got the third and fourth <laughs> line. So him, Langenbrunner, and Dave Reed had a heck of a uh, conference final uh, series because they, they were getting the third and fourth pair of D. I mean, we were getting Adam Foote and Rob Blake and, and Ray Bork, and I'm like, man, this, you know, there's no ice out available at all. Yeah. And those guys, those guys ate up the third and fourth line. So, and Guy did an amazing job at Peter. I don't think he, he scored maybe two or three points the rest of the, the series after game two. So, yeah. That helped. A couple of years later, they wound up winning another cup. Yeah. Brett Hull's uh, skating the crease or no? Shouldn't have counted. <laughs> Letter of the law that year. <laughs> I'm just kidding. They changed the rule again that year, so I, I don't know. Yeah. They're trying to yeah. uh, clear up that gray yeah. area. Um, so, as I mentioned, uh, the book Nine, which is actually, I mean, it's it's funny. It's one of my prized possessions, because, at, and I forgot about it at the time, but when I flipped it open today, um, when we got the book, you signed a card uh, to me that said, you know, you said, Mike, thanks. To, to you and all my Minnesota fans, which I thought was really neat because it showed, it, it, I think a lot of people just look at you as Dallas Stars forever, mm-hmm. but it showed at the time that you remembered your, your roots starting here in Minnesota. But how did you get your start? Because the, the beginning of the book to me is awesome where your parents talk about how as a youngster, you, they couldn't keep you, the, you, you know, still, they, that you were getting in trouble in school and that mm-hmm. essentially your dad decided or he found out that he should put you in hockey to just kind of give you something to really focus on yeah it, it got to a point where we were just I think my parents were just they didn't really have an answer to anything and we saw a couple um child psychologists to kind of just peel the onion back to see what what's going on with this kid why is he getting in trouble why is he just spouting off why does he just get kicked out of school I mean he's a bully he's just picks on kid I mean just everything that you could kind of Think about what the worst kid is. I was that. And wow. um, 
I, I just couldn't, I don't know what it was. And, uh, you know, ADD, whatever. I couldn't keep my attention span for nothing. But I think every four to seven-year-old's got ADD. I mean, mm-hmm. they can't, my kids can't keep attention for two <laughs> seconds. So I, I think everybody at some point's got ADD. But, um, yeah, it was just, and I played baseball. And, you know, playing baseball as a five to eight-year-old might be, the you know, like watching grass grow. I mean, yeah. it's the most slowest, monotonous thing you could ever do. And I wasn't really into soccer. I really wasn't into anything else. And, you know, was just in trouble. Just couldn't couldn't find some sort of thing, release. And my dad was into construction. He uh, he worked with a bunch of kids that would come in there in the summertime after college, during their off season in college, make some money. A couple of them played um, college hockey. One was at Michigan State. Another one was at uh, Union College. But they were both from Detroit. So they'd come back in the summer, work for my dad, make some money. Um, you know, so after a few years of this, the, our one f- friend, Jack Rankin's, his name is all his brothers were from my dad, Jack, Mike, and Bobby Rankin. And so Jack one day made a comment to my dad. He's like, you know, can't control Mike. He's kicked out of school. It was just like, Hey, you know, I don't know, but take him maybe skating and maybe go take him out on the pond, take him to a rink, let him go skate or whatever. And so. Dad said, well, let's go skating. We, we, I mean, we watched a little bit of hockey on TV at the time. He was a Boston guy, so we, a lot, we saw a lot of Bruins games when we'd go to holidays mm-hmm. and Thanksgiving in Boston. And, and um, you know, we was able to get Hockey Night in Canada a little bit when I was in Detroit from across the river. But something, I don't know, something, the switch went off when I skated. I was like, this, this, this was crazy. I was just mm-hmm. like, I could go 100 miles an hour, blow off some steam, you know, playing hockey. And that was it. I mean, we got into organized hockey about a year later. And, and this then, is at seven, eight years old. Yeah, this is seven, eight. And then uh, nine years old, got hooked up with the Illiches and Little Caesars, uh-huh. and that was it. Then the Little Caesar program took me from nine to 15. So that was six years with Little wow. Caesars and the Illich family and, and and that whole thing. So that, I mean, just that introduction just changed my uh-huh. demeanor. I mean, I got real shy, quiet, you know, really subdued, better in school. I mean, it was just... Wow. No one, no one understood it. Yeah, medical and, and, mystery. And, yeah, and ten years after you started, you're number one overall pick in the NHL. It's crazy. <laughs> so, I mean, do you do you recommend that for for kids here? I mean, in Minnesota, kids that you know, I mean, it seems like in Minnesota you're just kind of put on skates, but that this might have been just a great avenue to really focus a child. My my our twin five year olds, our boy girl, are pretty much the same. They get mm-hmm. in the house and they just <laughs> bouncing off the walls. They can't sit still for two seconds, and so I. You know, we took him to hockey about a year and a half ago, and you know it was like, eh, it was okay. You know, nothing exciting. You know, nothing went off uh, like it did with me. But then they asked about it about two, three weeks later about going again. So, I mean, they go. I mean, I think it's good for kids just to let them. You know, it's a nonstop deal. They they get the gear on, they go on the ice, mm-hmm. they kind of moving around for an hour. They just blow it out. They can just do whatever. Slide in on slide on the ice. You know, go into the net, the boards, whatever, just to kind of blow this off. And I, I mean. Doesn't work for everybody. I think yeah. some kids, you know, love it. Some kids, you know, it's a lot of work. Your feet hurt in the skates. It's cold out there. Yeah. They don't want anything to do with it. So, um, I mean, for us, we just find things to keep them busy. And, you know, yeah. hockey, hockey's great. I thought it was a great release for yeah. me. It, it works a little bit for the Are there kids. good rinks in Park City? There's one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
By the way, again, we're talking with Mike Madano, the executive advisor. I never actually properly introduced you uh, for the Minnesota Wild. We'll talk a little bit more about that uh, in a a bit here. Um, And by the way, if you are not a subscriber to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash straight from the source will get you a subscription. Um, uh, One thing that you said during your your speech in Dallas the day that your jersey went to the rafters and it was really touching was – just how much Rick Wilson meant to you, both in juniors and in the NHL, being with you in Dallas. Rick Wilson, longtime Minnesota Wild assistant coach. He's now back with Chuck Fletcher in Philly. Um, Rick was one of my favorite people here. He would let us interview him like twice a season, and he would limit us to three questions. And I, I, after that game in Dallas, when you mentioned him, I said to him, I'm like, you got to give me my three-question limit on this story. And he's like, didn't want to do it, but he let me. And by the end, when he was talking about it, he was broken up. I mean, mm-hmm. he was sincerely touched with what you said about him. Why was he so influential on your career? Uh, I don't know. I just feel at, at times in your life, you meet the right person, the people at the right time. And I mean, he came into my life at a time where I just thought uh, the hockey, I was, well, rewind a little bit. I think you know, being 15, just got done with my sophomore year of high school. I was too young to get recruited to college. I didn't want to stay in Detroit for another two years. Probably would have went to Michigan State. Ron Mason at the time was the coach of the Spartans. So, but I wanted to leave. I was verbal committed to the Hall Olympics where Pat Burns was. Mm-hmm. Um, Gretz was Gretzky was involved with the Hall Olympics at the time. And um, it didn't work out. Like the 11th hour, they changed their mind. Uh, so about a week later, Rick calls me. So, I mean, just at that point, I feel like the world's coming to an end. I'm 15. I'm never going to play. I got to stick around Detroit for two more years and go to college. I'm like, I was like, it was just the worst thing. You feel like it could happen to his kid. And I just was torn up for three or four days that it didn't happen. Then Rick calls. So I was like, you know, here's this guy from Prince Albert calling me to invite me to Prince Albert to play. He's only seen me a handful of times when we were out in Calgary and Vancouver playing. And, and um, so he's like, just come out for the weekend. If you like it, you can stay. If not, we'll get you a ticket, obviously, and head you back, shoot you back to Detroit. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just right person at the right time, and he was just, just a solid guy. I mean, he yeah. just – I mean, he, not only teaching you to be a, a, you know, a grown-up, a man, you know, growing into hockey – being out in the Western League, which was at the time was, I mean, as rough and tough as it could ever get with some of the people out there and the players. So the travel, the commitment, the bus rides, I mean, everything else was just really um, something I've I've never seen before, obviously. Yeah. So, um, but it did, I think it does toughen you up. It does prepare you for the NHL in some sense. But, uh, and then <clears throat> Rick went on with Terry Simpson to Long Island, went to with Webster, I think in LA and then came to Dallas and Minnesota. I think um I think it was our last year maybe in Minnesota he kind of came. So it was yeah. you know 18 years together, you know. So Amazing. and the and the two years in junior. So I mean it was just you know he knew me, I knew him, he knew my personality, what got me going. So it it helped that transition with Ganey, it helped it with Hitchcock, you know, all the coaches Rick was kind of that that stability guy with those head coaches. So, I mean, he always had my back. He kind of was still to this day. We talk weekly. So he's just a great human. 
Well, tell him that I want one of my interviews this year when we go to Philly. <laughs> uh, when we, uh, the thing that you just said that kind of spurred me that I always found impressive about Rick was that he, in Dallas he's with a couple NHL coaches with Hitch and then with Tippett. Same thing here. I mean, he started with Todd Richards, then he was with Mike Yo, then he was with John Torchetti. It says something about an assistant coach. Yeah. Usually when the head coach goes, the assistant goes, but the fact that this guy was able to continue on, I think it says a lot about him yeah. uh, as, a, as, a, as a coach. Um, your best North Stars memory. Uh, what was what was it like living in Minnesota as a teenager? Uh, I mean, I, I loved it. I lived with a family my first year. They're, they were friends with Lauren Henning. They were neighbors of Lauren. Um, they had a nine-year-old, uh, Ryan and Lindsey Mack, and Bill Debbie Mack lived in Bloomington. So I lived with them my first year. Uh, Lauren had set that up, and Lauren and Les Jackson were friends, obviously, and Les was asking Lauren, what do we do with Mike? You know, hard for a kid to find his own place and do this whole lifestyle thing and Lauren asked Bill and Debbie if you know if I could live in the live with them so Ryan played hockey a little bit actually played with Toby Peterson at the time when they're both nine so then I'm line mates and teammates with Toby in Dallas for a couple years so um it really uh kind of allowed me to just enjoy the game Mm -hmm. not worry about everything that comes with responsibilities as a grown-up as far as food and laundry and I could just focus on hockey and um but yeah I mean the first year was I mean it's funny I I you know there's chunks and pieces of your memory that come and and, and kind of goes and you know the first game was you know obviously pivotal scoring in your first game NHL game and um you know then you know then after that it's just it just seems like it's a blur and you just have little flashes of this you know experiences that happen and then the second year was the final so it was like okay this is a great introduction to the you know my second year I'm in the finals you know the Cinderella run I'm like I can't wait to do it the next year the next year after that I mean it was just really you had that taste of winning I'm like wow now I know you understand why great players are great when you know Tom Brady and Gretzky and Lemieux these guys just they just want to win they just love the taste of winning and I was like oh, I can't wait to do that the next year and it's like 10 years later until we got to the final yeah. again so um but yeah i mean that final run was just uh, the town was crazy i mean it was really mm-hmm. really nuts and the teams we had to knock off to get to the finals was you know chicago was the president's trophy winner and then st louis was second overall edmonton was the cup winner from the year before and then we had a 2-1 game lead against Pes- pittsburgh so we're like, wow, we're two games away from winning this deal. This place is going to go bananas if we yeah. pull this off. And then I think Mario kind of took over, yeah. and that that was that. <laughs> but that was that was an unbelievable memory. And then then it just all kind of started going south for us. You know, yeah. the, the next season was rough. The logo change got changed with the stars, got rid of the end. So the, there was something going on in the background as far as the business part about what's going on with us. I yeah. Mean, the writing was on the wall that we were going somewhere. So you, did you start to hear rumors and yeah. how does that affect the locker room? Yeah. Everybody knew something was going on. We were all frustrated. Cause how do you leave Minnesota, go to Texas? I mean, that's like leave taking the Yankees out of New York. You just mm-hmm. don't take a professional hockey team out of Minnesota. It's like, yep. that's like crazy to everybody else. Yeah. It was like some way, somehow we all thought this will get done. Something will be finished. We won't be moving anywhere. Then all of a sudden, you know, at the end of that year, we're like, 
we're relocating and you got two months to go down to Texas and find out where you're going to live and what you're going to do. And, you know, we'll see you at camp in September in Irvine. Wow. I was like, wow, this is. So you went from a, you know, ultimate high and then yeah. the next three, four year, you know, third, fourth year was just um, upsetting. So yeah. really, real disappointing. I mean, still to this day, we, we all just kind of wonder how did that not get fixed yeah does that not work out when you stay my first ever road game is at reunion arena by the way it was it was it was a heck and of a reunion building. was a barn yeah, yeah I mean, it, it was, was it was a small tiny oh it was yeah. a hell hole yeah. <laughs> the locker rooms were terrible the visiting locker room was absolutely terrible but i'm like that's perfect yeah you know don't give them any plush you know make it miserable as possible make them just hate coming to yeah. dallas and you know we get this mental upper hand on these on these teams that came into Dallas, but uh, I mean, our facility was no better. It was it was just awful. But um, you know, he had no. I don't even know if there was suites in Reunion. I don't know if there was any. Yeah, it was. I, don't I can't know. Remember. No bar. The bar was yeah. outside. It was a tent. You know, the Stars Club was it was. So everybody that yeah. was in the building was watching the game. Yeah. You know, There's nothing extracurricular going on. The jumbotrons back then were terrible. So the yeah. graphics, everything it was nothing entertaining about it except what was going on in the ice. So everybody was glued in. The seats were great. Everything was loud in there. So, I mean, now it's now it's a little bit, you know, it's corporate. You know, it's corporate NHL. And, yeah. You know, but yeah, it was it was a tough tough moment when we met when we had to leave. Yeah, I remember still that game. I, this first ever game that I, I'm covering, and the way I used to send, we had this like it was called a trash eighty, essentially TRS eighty, little Radio Shack machine, and you'd send your stories with these acoustic couplers with a normal phone receiver, but if there's any noise in the background. The, on the other end, the newspaper gets just garble. It'll, it'll have, like, by Michael Russo, Dateline Dallas, Mike Madonna, blah, 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 and then it'll just be a bunch of characters. And so I tried to send my story about 25 times in the third period, and nobody told me, uh, you're supposed to go down at the press room because there's no, just no way to send in a, in a live hockey arena. You can't send using this device. Or right. It's just not going to get through. So that's just one of those nightmares I remember <laughs> from my first ever road game. Um the, what were your favorite places in Minnesota? Because one cool thing that I don't know anybody, I don't think anybody knows that you did this, but earlier this season, you just showed up at HQ here with a bunch of donuts to go hand around to the staff. Craig Leopold told me the story. He said that there were kids, account executives, they didn't even know who you were, and you were just walking around handing donuts. And apparently you got it at a place that you had been going to for years, starting in when you played for the North Stars? I know. Now you're stumping me. Now I totally went blank uh, on the place, and it's over in St. Paul, across the bridge. Oh, Granny's Donuts? Maybe. I Gran think it's Granny's. Okay. And uh, it, it's an old old Asian couple that opened this up in 1987, and, you know, and I was um, had heard about it. for I don't know. For some weird reason, I was in St. Paul bouncing around or something. I popped in there to grab a bunch of donuts. I'm like, wow, these are like the best donuts that I ever had in my life. So I would I would make some runs down to St. Paul from uh, after practice or or um, after the Met Center practices and stuff, and grab donuts for the house and whatever. And um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I remembered it. And I was like, all right, I'm just I'm gonna go get you know. And you got to pay cash. You got to order at at the time of in the store. So I was like, all right, give me 100 donuts. I'm like, okay. So I was like, these people are parading me around town. They're driving me everywhere. I was like, I got I to get, get in with the, good, with the staff. So I figured donuts might help. That's awesome. <laughs> By the way, if you are hungry right now, here's a word from DoorDash. 
Long day at work, tough day at school, still stuck at the office. Treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Today down at the arena, I had a morning skate, this podcast with Madano, a KFE interview with Barrero, a Fox Sports North interview with LaPanta, and I've got the game to actually cover for The Athletic. So for lunch in between all of that, I'm going with DoorDash. Ordering is easy. You just open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. So right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code SOURCE. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter promo code SOURCE. Don't forget, that's promo code SOURCE for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. Um, First of all, Billy Guerin. Played with him on multiple Olympics, USA teams. You played with him with the Dallas Stars. Uh, what first of all, what was the the pursuit like to get him? Uh, you, that was one of the cool things is that you came here in a business role with the Wild. We'll talk a little about that in a bit. But the one thing is, then coincidentally, they fire Paul Fenton, and they're mm. like, "Well, hey, we have an actual hockey guy that could be in these meetings, ask hockey questions rather than Matt Macon, Craig Leopold, whose expertise is on the business." What was it like when you when you guys sat down with Billy and did you pretty much know from the outset that he'd be somebody that that would be a front runner? Uh, I did because he interviewed when Fenton got interviewed. Mm-hmm. So I think Craig had been a little bit uh, had been introduced to him and it was familiar with him a little bit. So um, yeah, I, I think everybody was in a little bit of a rush to announce a new guy, and and I think Matt and I were a little bit more of the of the, the side, let's take our time. And, you know, we're all going to get calls and text messages from everybody <laughs> and their dog about setting up an f- interview for their friends. So, I mean, once Craig had thrown out publicly that I was helping him, I mean, I got bombarded with text messages from everybody about this guy and interview this one. And one for me, I'm know, like, I'm doing a story on this. Gotta, yeah. <laughs> and so it was, uh, so I was like, oh, you know, I'm getting text messages. About this guy and this guy, Matt. I said, I mean, let's just talk to. Every- I mean, let's just talk to everybody. What's what's it going to hurt? I mean, what's the rush? It's after Jul- it's after um, the draft. It's after free agency. Nothing's going on. Nothing's on the book. You know, all this new GM's going to do is send out a letter that you've been invited to training camp. Right. You know, there's yeah. really nothing to do. <laughs> um, you know, so let's just take our time. So we went through everybody and. Um, it got narrowed down pretty fast to, to Scott Mellenby and Billy Guerin, and then mm-hmm. we all kind of came into town here and met with those guys for one last time. And, and um, I mean, it, it's interesting. Through all the, all the hockey guys that we've talked to, and, you know, um, um, Mark Hunter, Billy Mellenby, you know. Um, it was like Ron Hextall, uh, Brian Hextall, Lawton, Basil McRae, Chirelli. <laughs> Yep. I mean, the common denominator was they all they broke the wild down all similar. They all categorized their players and personnel the same. They all had the same ideas and thoughts and what do you do moving forward with this group and and then it was the personnel as far as the scouts, the staff, what's going on on the road with development, um player personnel kind of thing and and um so everybody was familiar with those people. And across the board, they probably all said the same thing. And it was just – and then it comes down to personality, you know, a little bit of some charisma, some character, that sort of thing. And, and you know, Scott and Billy were, I mean, identical mm-hmm. as far as on paper, what their thoughts and what their views. And But Scott's 
Scott's a real quiet guy. He reminds me a lot about uh, about uh, Bob Gainey. Mm-hmm. Billy's more, you know, obviously charismatic. <laughs> he's he's uh, he's boisterous. He just kind of he's got a fun kind of feel to him. And so, I mean, after we got to cut through those two guys, I think it was, you know, I just said to Craig, I said, it's more or less who the guy is that you mesh well with. Right. You know, who can you see talking to daily basis, working with, kind of trying to piece this thing back together? And, you know, and we all said, that's, that's Billy. Yeah. You know, so that was that. Was that. So yeah. um, I enjoyed that. I mean, it, it kind of got, you know, Billy and I talk every day now. We talk about the team. We talk about game plan what's what is the the future what's going to be happening here and so i've enjoyed that part and i enjoy being with matt and craig and and their sponsors and corporate people and you know big time sponsors that they have so i'm lucky where i get to bounce back and forth yeah and i think that's important it seemed like last year the wild i maybe out of respect for paul fenton tried to do everything possible to make it very clear that you were just business just business just business and and to me, that's the value of having you in the organization. I think it'd be foolish to not have you talk to the even the Jordan Greenways and the Yule Erickson X of the world. Yep. And you have somebody like you at your disposal, but also from a GM's point of view, to be able to bounce stuff off of. Yeah, I, I, I felt the same way because I kind of came in last spring and I was kind of watching some games with Paul and and uh, you could sense this. I, I, and I told Craig, I said, I don't want Paul to feel like I'm coming in. Yeah looking over his shoulder, yeah. nitpicking everything he's doing and all these trades he just made and, you know, this and that. It's like, you know, I, I don't want to be, you know, he goes, well, let's, let's strictly, let's keep it business. Yeah. You know, I'm like, great, because I want to learn about that part anyway. So I want to learn how do you work these relationships and this and that. So um, so then when the change made, it, it, it made it easier to kind of yeah. be moved into that slot with Billy and because of our, our history and knowing each other for, you know, close to 25 years it mm-hmm. made it easy thanks for listening to the straight from the source and thanks to mike modano for joining remember this is an abbreviated version of the podcast to listen to the full thing subscribe now to the athletic.com slash straight from the source that's the athletic.com slash straight from the source